It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Across the Pond MLB Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your host of Across the Pond MLB Podcast, Tyler Small. Hello and welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Small, and today I am happy to welcome you to my first chance to host the MLB show here on this great platform. So thank you so much for joining me. We got a great one ahead of us today. We're going to do a little season recap as of now. I'm going to try and condense it as much as possible so you can have at least a slight knowledge of what has happened so far throughout the first couple of months of the season. Then I sat down with Sean Palmer, an athletic trainer formerly for the Raiders and the Brewers, as we talked about originally what was going to just be UCL injuries and the Tommy John process, but... With the new current scandal, if you will, of the MLB with the sticky stuff situation, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll get into it in just a moment. It kind of took a different turn on the actual medical side of things, so very interesting chat there. And a whole lot more is coming up, but before we dive into that, I just wanted to quickly go over who the heck I am and how I wound up being played through your speakers right now. So as I mentioned earlier, my name is Tyler Small. I'm currently a senior at LaSalle University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm studying journalism and mass media. And as of now, I am actually working in affiliate baseball. So I am in the minor league system, working as the broadcasting partner and intern for the Reading Fightin' Phils, the AA affiliate for the Philadelphia Phillies. So now I am excited to not only have that outlet to talk about this great game that I know and love, but also now I can talk about the bigs and go through all 30 teams and 
continue to follow and spread my wealth of what used to be useless knowledge of me just being obsessed with this great game. However, my main goal is to make all of you obsessed like me. As the great Joe Buck used to say, this is a sport that is usually three hours long. However, it only has about 10 to 15 minutes of play-by-play. The rest of it is conversation, and that is what makes the game so interesting. The more you give to it, the more it'll give back to you, as some of the players say. But even as a fan or a broadcaster or a journalist or anything, the more you dive into it, the more you can appreciate it. And the more that happens within the game that so many people can just look at and not even notice. And I think that that is the most beautiful part about it. And hopefully by the end of it, you'll understand a little bit of what I'm saying. So the first thing I like to do here for the season is, since we'll be recording this weekly, to kind of have a little, what I call, around the diamond. And that is basically a maximum of 30 seconds for each of the 30 teams. Just kind of hitting on some of the heavier points, who was hot that week, why they won, why they lost, how many they won, how many they lost, any other interesting stories that come up. Now obviously I'm starting this in the midst of the season, so I'm going to try to encapsulate in that around the diamond just 30 seconds of the season synopsis the team is good why the team is bad why who's been their standouts why are they the way they are and hopefully that'll just make it a little bit of an even distribution as to what teams get covered how each team needs to be talked about because although it's so easy to just gloss over some of the bad teams it's also pretty easy to gloss over some of the good teams it's only so many times that you could say something's good It's kind of those middle tier that get harped on a lot, the ones pushing for a playoff spot, the ones that are potentially in bad news because it's so much easier to rant as opposed to compliment. So this is just the best way that I find that we can talk on everyone and everything. And then after that, I just do what's called small talk, a little play on my last name, but (laughs) just a whatever is the most, the biggest part of the week that was or the story that was, or just basic MLB stories as opposed to a specific team, just an overall, usually a problem, because baseball seems to get itself in a little bit of hot water, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but for now, let's start around the diamond for the first time. So, pulling out the phone now, got 30 seconds on the clock for each team, we're going to go, starting in the National League, top to bottom in the divisions, east to west, geographical location so with that being said let's start with the new york metropolitans the new york bets have obviously the best pitcher in baseball and the mvp as of now he just finished his start today on june 21st when i record this and now he's got a 0.50 era through his first 12 starts a 0.501 whip 14.9 strikeout per nine he is just unbelievable the best start in mlb history First in the NL East, despite so many injuries for the team, however, and their pitching has also been thanks to Taiwan Walker, Marcus Stroman, a lot of these new additions to the team that have been excelling. Right behind them are the Philadelphia Phillies, one game below 500, and they've been hovering around the top, but also hovering around 500 all season. The NL East has been a slog in the middle. It's been a lot of teams just beating up on one another. However, Wheeler's been shoving for them. A 2.15 ERA, a 197 batting average, despite a 276 BABIP, which might come back up. And they've had some fun games, fun walk-offs, back-to-back against the Braves, an NL East opponent. Luke Williams smacks the walk-off home run in his first ever start in the big leagues. They've been a fun team as of now, but still hovering around 500. Next up is the Nationals. They're a misstat. They have the same record as the Braves, technically with the tiebreaker over them. 
However, one of these teams is in the start of a championship window. The other one is at the end of it after winning it in 2019. Schwarber has been off to a phenomenal start, and it's been recent. 18 home runs on the season, 5 in the last 2 games, and they're 12th in Team OPS, 10th in Team ERA. Both very mass stats, and it looks like they will be sellers. However, if we go to the other end, the Atlanta Braves, the biggest disappointment in the National League. They are personally my preseason favorite to go to the World Series, and it's because their bullpen's been a nightmare. A 4.94 ERA, it's 25th worst in the major leagues. And it's despite their offense not really being to what it usually is, Ronald Acuna has led the way. He leads the MLB in runs with 57, stolen bases with 15, and the National League with 19 home runs, but he can't do it alone. And then finally, we have the Miami Marlins. They're last in the NL East, but only eight back. This is the closest division as we've seen so far. All these teams have enough talent to make a fight. However, only one will prevail, looks like, with the wild card. One of the bigger parts that are going to be at this trade deadline is Starling Marte. A 159 OPS plus, 2.3 Warriors racked up. He's got a 320 batting average. He will be a fun piece to sell. And the right side of the infield has been great. Aguilar with an 803 OPS, 12 homers. Jazz Chisholm a 777 OPS and 8 homers. They've been in a little bit of a fun home run race. Now let's move to the Central. The Chicago Cubs, one of the bigger surprises of the season. I love it because they're forcing the hand of ownership who want to sell some of their pieces, but they got to stay in it if they're playing as hot as they are. Chris Bryant is back to an MVP level, a 153 OPS plus 13 homers on the season. And the best bullpen ERA in baseball, a 2.63. The starters are struggling, however, 21st in the league. But Craig Kimbrell, recording save number 368, ninth on the all-time list now, he has been huge for them. However, tied for first are the Milwaukee Brewers, who just always seem to hang around. Despite them not hitting, they have the 27th worst OPS as a team with a 668. Omar Narvaez leads the team with an 870 OPS. It's never good to have your catcher leading that stat, obviously. But they trade for a guy... Willie Adamas from the Rays, who I think will be sneaky, one of the best moves of this entire season, despite what happens later. And they've got the fifth best ERA, thanks to their top four starters. Woodruff, Peralta, Hauser, and Burns all have an ERA plus above league average. The Cincinnati Reds had a fun start. They got kind of a bad boy look. Said a couple of names about themselves that I can't repeat on here without cursing. And it's been thanks to Winker and Castellanos, the best outfield duo in baseball according to the numbers. Winker is a 1.023 OPS, a 986 for Castellanos. However, they have the worst bullpen in baseball, a 5.66 ERA. The starters aren't much better. Sonny Gray hasn't been healthy for the whole season. Luis Castillo has been on a rough stretch where he's only allowed one run or less one time this season. And now the Cardinals, a team that was supposed to run away with this division, a lot of people thought, trending down in a bad way, 6-12 in the month of June. The youngster outfielder is doing it, however. Tyler O'Neill with a 913 OPS. Dylan Carlson a 756. They're some of the highest numbers alongside Nolan Arenado. And no pitching for this team, however. Jack Flaherty's having a phenomenal season. 8-1 leading the league in wins, but he's on the 10-day IL and it might be stretched because everyone else has above a 3 ERA. Then we go to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and man, they have shown some bad defense lately. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the Javier Baez somehow working out of a pickle going to first, despite, you're right, there being a force. The future is bright, however. Brian Reynolds, a 922 OPS. Adam Frazier should be in the All-Star game with an 839 OPS at second. 
Brubaker's been solid in his first year. Richard Rodriguez has been great for them in the bullpen. And they have no real pieces to move, so enjoy the homegrown talent and get Marcelo Meyer with the number one overall pick. The San Francisco Giants, the best record in baseball, a shocker. All names you remember from the glory days of the World Series run. They lead the MLB in homers, top five in starter and reliever ERA. Posey, Belt, Longo, Crawford, Yaz, Flores, all above league average in OPS. Gossman, a Cy Young finalist right now, alongside Rogers, Descalfani, Sanchez, McGee, Alvarez, Little, and Garcia, all above the league average in ERA+. Plus. Unreal. The Dodgers, on the other hand, started as good as they should have, got a little cold in the middle, but now they're heating back up. They're only a game and a half behind. And a big reason for it, even though it was a head-scratcher of a decision at the time, Albert Pujols turning around late for his career in 826 OPS despite doing nothing with the Angels. And Max Muncy's been one of the more strange but fun stat lines this season. A 947 OPS, 51 hits, 46 walks. And they've been having to do it with a lot of their heavy hitters. No Bellinger, no bets for majority of the season. He's back now, thankfully, but they're still getting it done. The Padres right behind him in third, miraculously, but the pitching has been off the charts, so no reason to worry. Seventh best from the starters in ERA, second best from relievers. Tatis, he's in God mode as always. He has a 1.039 OPS, but the rest of the bats have been pretty meh. 14th in the league. 10 games over 500, but still 5 back. That NL West is so loaded. When I say loaded, however, it's top loaded, because the Rockies and the Diamondbacks aren't doing much at the bottom. Guys like CJ Crone and Trevor Story are putting on a good fight just to get the heck out of there like Nolan Arenado, despite him not wanting to. However, talking about that trade, Austin Gomber, the only MLB-ready part of that trade, has the team lowest 3.68 ERA, which, hey, for Coors Field, you'll kind of take. And the only other advice I can give this team, don't trade generational talent. Moving over to the Diamondbacks now, they just set the record for the longest road losing streak, 23 consecutive games. They haven't won a game on the road since the Madison Bumgarner 7-inning no-hitter that wasn't considered a no-hitter. Gattel Marte is another trade deadline piece. He's got a 158 OPS+. plus. He can play center and middle infield. If you don't know about him, you should know about him because your team probably wants him. If you don't know about him, you should know about him because your team probably wants him. So that does it for the National League. Let's move over to the American League. And we are going to be starting with the Boston Red Sox. They are first in the AL East. Bigger surprise on the American League side. And they are hitting the ball well. They have the fourth best OPS as a team. Xander Bogarts leads the team for them. He does it pretty much all the time without getting any recognition. Rafael Devers and Martinez are right behind them. You should see all of them in cores. The left side of that infield is pretty locked up in the Red Sox. And the pitching's getting breaks, but four starters are above the league average in ERA plus just barely, so we will see how that stays with some of the sticky stuff and other aspects of it. Speaking of sticky stuff, the Rays here leading the AL East for most of the year, doing it the way that they always have, which is just outthinking the competition. Injuries are wreaking havoc for them despite them having a good record. Glasnow's out for a while, Patino, Maza, Rowe, Archer, Anderson. That is a lethal weapon there of pitchers that they don't have however they still get it done offensively as well when they need it the most not ranking off the charts off OPS as a team wise however guys like Joey Wendell with an 841 Austin Meadows finally living up to those expectations they just continue to win ball games in such an interesting way then we move over to the New York Yankees down in third place and it could and should be a lot worse they're on a hot streak right now winning five of their last six but they continue to 
lose the offense, not have any consistency. They have the 17th best OPS thanks to that continued strategy of resting their stars. Garrett Cole, 179 ERA plus the only starter besides Kluber, who is now in the 60-day that has an ERA plus above league average, but the bullpen has been phenomenal. Loiza got 255. Chapman's got 16 saves. Green and Licky a 166 ERA plus. And there's a little bit of a home run derby between Judge Stanton and Sanchez that should get heating up. Then down in fourth are the Blue Jays after getting swept by the Yankees just a week ago. The offense is mashing. Guerrero's fighting for an MVP. He's got a 1.111 OPS, 23 homers. He's battling with Shohei Otani for the top. The signings they haven't seen so far this season are the biggest ones. Kirby Yates is done for the season despite pitching at all for them this season. George Springer's played just four games in between injuries. And they really don't have any pitching to go besides Ryu and Ray, who are the only two without a below a 3.5 ERA. Then we finish it up with the Orioles. They're still in the middle of a rebuild. Trey Mancini, though, he is one of the best stories in baseball. Not only just because of his story, however, but because he is contributing. A 130 OPS+. plus. Cedric Mullins deserves to be known. He's got a 150 OPS+, plus, an outs above average of 99 percentile, and a sprint speed of 89th percentile. He is a fun watch and should be at the All-Star Game. And John Means, no-hitter, having a special season so far, 2.28 ERA. Moving over to the Central, the White Sox. They are looking as good as advertised. They have the 10th best OPS, the 5th best team ERA, and they're 1-5, in five, and their 1-5 through five are all above league average. Carlos Rodon having the best season of all of them, actually. Better than Lucas Giolito, better than Dallas Keuchel, and better than Lance Lynn. And they're doing it all without their incredible outfield duo of Robert and Jimenez. Think about the Reds. They're only surviving because of that, too. They're doing it without some of the best hitters and some of the biggest prospects in the game who both were missing the season. Not far behind are those pesky Indians, however. Terry Francona just knows how to keep them winning despite the ownership not really wanting them to. They have eight bullpen arms above league average. Class A with a 495 and some of the most disgusting stuff you will ever see. Losing Bieber is going to be massive. We hope it's not long. Just happened recently. The starter ERA is third worst in MLB even with him. And Ramirez and Reyes are the only hitters above league average. So this is a team that only has a bullpen right now. Kansas City Royals. They won't be winning a World Series this year, obviously. However, you love what their ownership is doing, keeping them competitive and keeping the fans happy. They did a great thing for Salvador Perez after lowballing him in a contract earlier in his career. They pay him what he deserves, and he's making them rewarded. And he is rewarding them with his play. He leads the team with an 860 OPS, and he actually leads the position of catchers. Plus, alongside with that, Danny Duffy, a guy who's been trying to figure it out for his career, has now figured it out. A 1.94 ERA before going on the injured list. He has been special to watch. And then the Detroit Tigers. Akil Badu, unreal start. Now he's sitting at a 138 OPS plus for the rookie. Getting to see the future of rotation has been fun so far. Casey Mize, a 3.61 ERA, the former number one overall pick. Tariq Skubal, a 4.36 ERA. They should be a top two for a while with this organization. And the Turnbull no-hitter sparked a little bit of a winning streak. They swept the Yankees after that, and it was just a fun run to be in Detroit. Now let's finish it up out west, and stop me if you've heard this before, but the Houston Astros can crush the ball. They have the best OPS in the league, and it's thanks to Correa, Gurriel, Brantley, Altuve, Alvarez, Tucker, Bregman, all above the league average. Ninth best ERA in baseball as well, as they always have arms coming out of their farm system and dominating. It was Arquiti last year. He's got a 3.62 ERA, and now it's Luis Garcia, 2.86 ERA. Presley is having another dominant year with 10 saves and a 1.86 ERA. 
Right behind them, however, are the Athletics. They have the longest winning streak of the season after having the less-than-ideal start, and now they're tied for the lead in the AL West. Matt Olson's been crushing it for them on the right side of the infield, a 998 OPS, Kemp leading the way offensively as well, which is just two different players doing it in a similar way, actually. And the heavy breaking ball bullpen is getting it done, surprisingly pitching well on the road, however. This is a team that usually utilizes the benefit of their bigger and wider field, getting those extra outs. Instead, the only top tier stats that they have for the pitching staff is a 3.63 ERA on the road. Then in third is the Mariners, that's right, they're above the Angels. They're doing it without some of their top stars of Lewis and Kalanick, and they have guys like Ty France with the highest OPS on the team. J.P. Crawford is the best defensive shortstop, and he can swing it. And, of course, they made baseball news for the wrong reason. Kevin Mather talking about service time manipulation and a lot of other bad stuff without knowing he's being recorded, just saying all the wrong things and getting baseball in a little bit of trouble. So hopefully that stuff stops to happen for them, but it happens everywhere. Then we go to the Angels. Shohei Otani is transcending the sport outside of just baseball fans. A league-leading 23 home runs at a 2.7 ERA in 53 and a third innings pitch. He's unbelievable. They still have the best player in the world of Mike Trout with a 1.090 OPS despite him being banged up a little bit and moved away from the face of the franchise, face of baseball role. And once again, no pitching equals no success. They have the fourth worst team ERA despite having all these shiny toys to look at on the offensive side of the ball. And wrapping it up, Adelise Garcia, an 834 OPS, a breakout year. And he has just been fun to watch for the youngster. There's talks of Joey Gallo getting moved out of town, but I don't believe it. He's the center of the franchise. But guys, that could be moved. Kyle Gibson, a 2.09 ERA with an outlier to start the season. Some bullpen arms like Kennedy and Kings could also be utilized for cheap and get a little bit of prospect capital. And they were the first stadium to go to full capacity, which was crazy to see right away. But now it's becoming more and more normal, which is awesome to see. So that is it. Put the pencils down. Note-taking is over. That was 30 teams in 30 seconds or under for around the diamond. And that's what we'll do pretty much every week to start off the episode. It'll be just a quick little briefer on what you may have missed, some of the bigger storylines or bigger performances from the week. Just quickly going over each and every team so nobody feels left out. But we will also hit on some of the bigger and heavier topics and bigger parts of the game in just a moment. So... What we are going to be getting into actually comes up in the interview, so I'm going to send it right over to that with Sean Palmer. As I mentioned earlier, he worked previously as an athletic trainer for both the Oakland Raiders and the Milwaukee Brewers. He knows a thing or two about working with athletes and some of the injuries they go through and work through and just what it is like. He has a wealth of knowledge, obviously. We were only able to tap into a little aspect of elbow injuries specifically in baseball so but we obviously also went down the road of the more current issue which is the lack of sticky stuff now and the complete outlawing of it and some of the injuries that may come along with it or potentially already have you've been listening to across the pond mlb podcast please follow rate and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes Well, we are now going to be welcoming on Sean Palmer, who is a physical therapist and athletic trainer, but he is also the host and founder of the Doc Doc Goose podcast. So, Sean, before we kind of dive into the topic at hand today, tell us a little bit about this podcast you're running. 
So the Dr. Goose podcast, uh, a friend of mine who's a physician, um, I'm a physical therapist, uh, one other guy who's an architect, we decided to um, put together a health podcast where we want to make it accessible for anyone, not like high level where you can't understand what, what the hosts are talking about because they're you know, lost in doctor speak the whole time. But we want to make it fun that not only other healthcare pro uh, providers could have a little fun with and, and drop in on and you know, relate to the stories. Um, but also just any common person could drop in on and learn um, in, in, uh, in a way that they weren't intimidated by about any, any type of health topic. So we hit everything. We just recorded one on uh, insoles and orthotics with, uh, with an ankle and foot surgeon here in town. Um, we got one on sleep coming up. Uh, we've got topics all over the board. So we have a lot of fun with it. Our architect, uh, of course, has zero medical knowledge. So you have zero clue what uh, what questions he's going to come up with, which is usually a lot of fun. Yeah, it's usually the case, especially in medicine, I'm sure, where the people that are the least educated on it come up with the most interesting questions just because absolutely coming from a completely different viewpoint. And that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing with you today. So I <laughs> love it. Um, our topic today, we're going to dive into a little bit elbow injuries for pitchers, Tommy John surgery, most specifically. And let's just start by getting a general idea of what it is. There's partial UCL tears that always get thrown out there. Pitchers go through it every year, unfortunately. Tommy John usually means they're out for the season and potentially next season. So talk to us a little bit about that, because there's a lot of Twitter doctors out there that try and diagnose it themselves. But obviously, it would be a lot better for us from an expert so when it when i talk about tendon or ligament injuries because the the tommy john surgery is needed because you've torn your ucl or your ulnar collateral ligament so what i like to do is go back and explain what a ligament is versus what a tendon is and this is going to come back around on conversations that um, we're going to get in with what's happening this season as well so a ligament which is what the, the ulnar collateral ligament is, is a fibrous tissue that connects bone to bone. Um, it's within a, a joint, an area where it keeps bones from moving too far apart or in, in different directions from each other. A tendon is a, a, a structure that connects muscle to bone. So if I'm sitting in this office right now and I lasso the door handle with a rope from here, in this analogy, I am the muscle, the rope is the tendon, the door is the bone. I do the action, the muscle does the action, I pull to, uh, put force through the, the tendon and the bone does what I tell it to do, okay? Um, so the stabilizers of the elbow, I, I, I give both those things because there's both muscle and tendon stabilizers and there's ligaments and stabilizers of the elbow. Um, the UCL is the big ligamentous stabilizer and it has three bundles to it. Um, there's also the, the muscle, uh, component of it has, um, five different, uh, muscles that make up what's called the flexor pronator mass. Um, the reason that's needed is because especially in the, in the, uh, throwing motion, the throwing motion is a violent motion that our body is actually not designed to do, uh, both at the shoulder and the elbow. It just creates forces that we really are not meant to deal with. And that's why there is such a high I want to be careful saying high amount of breakdown, but there, there's a good amount of injuries, especially in, in pitches that happen both the shoulder and the elbow. It's just because we're not really made to do that motion. And as fast as we are making our body do it. 
Um, for example, that in testing the load failure rate of the uh, ulnar collateral ligament, it's, it's at about 34 Newton meters when you put enough torque on that thing to actually tear the, the ligament. The force that's applied through, through that joint when you're throwing is about 64 Newton meters, way higher than what the actual failure rate is of a ligament. And so then that's again, where the, the muscle and the tendon structures come into play, adding that, that stability. And that's why it doesn't just uh, tear every time you throw, you throw the ball. Um, there are a lot of structures that, that play into that. So this is a general overview of what um, the, this ligament is. So the type of force that it prevents against, um, trying to give a word picture for everyone. So if you put your arm straight out, let's put your right arm straight out uh, in front of you, turn your palms so it's facing up toward the, the ceiling and you hold like a bar, an immovable structure in front of you. If someone were to come at you from the right side of your body and run into the outside your elbow, pushing the elbow inward, that's called a valgus force. And that's what that ligament stops from. Um, if you look up a Google valgus force with, uh, with pitching, you're gonna see these incredible snapshots uh, in the middle of a pitcher's windup where you just see this horrendous elbow angle that these fast cameras can pick up that we can't see with the naked eye, but really how crazy of a valgus force our elbow goes into. And so that's what it's, what it's stopping us from doing. That, okay, so that makes sense because you gave me a lot of ways I could ask questions with that. So I guess I'll go with what we just talked about there. So having that arm straightened and palm facing upward, that kind of goes back to at least what probably every high school coach in America has said that breaking balls and throwing a pitch like that where your, your hand motion is sometimes on the side to underneath it, you have a higher chance of hurting your arm that way, especially your elbow, as opposed to a fastball. Is that true? Yes. Yes, it is. And that's why they limit um, what types of pitches you can throw to different ages. I remember growing up, I was, I was a pitcher. I wasn't allowed to throw a, yeah. a curveball to a certain point. They still limit that. Um, pitch count is the other thing that, that there are massive limits on in Little League now. And that's coming out of actually pretty good research. Um, uh, I'm looking at, at where these stats were because this is, these are interesting updates I found this morning. So um, if you pitch competitively for eight plus months of the year, your surgery rate increases by five times. If you pitch 100 plus innings in a year, you have a three time higher risk of, of injury. Uh, if you have uh, 80 plus pitches in a game, it quadruples your risk of injury. Um, such a shows even not only the types of pitches, but then pitch count just, it plays an astronomical um, way into your chances of injury. And that's why, especially in little leagues, they're limiting that so heavily nowadays. Yeah, wow, those are, shocking statistics obviously and i'm glad that they have taken the time to hopefully look at those numbers when instilling these into a little league level but when we look at it now at a major league level it's the same with any injury that some just seem to be more i hate i hate the term injury prone but some are more susceptible to these injuries than others and there seems to be little to no rhyme or reason for it. it's different body types it's different ways the pitcher throws is there any foolproof methods that have proven to prevent these injuries? 
Not that I have seen, no. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, interestingly, in um, in studies, they have looked at uh, there's a there's a fairly recent study that looked at collegiate pitchers. This is in 2017. Um, they went to 155 NCAA uh, Division One teams, and they found that actually the younger players are more prone to um, getting these injuries. And one thing they 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 hypothesized from this is that it's when these players are making the jump into a more competitive level and increasing the amount of workload that they're going through, that that's when they either give out or they don't. Um, then when they get to be an older pitchers, they're usually not breaking down as often. Um, so that would kind of lead to what you just said, certain bodies break down and some don't. And I'm not sure there's the best um, way to predict who that's going to happen to. Um, at least that study would, would tell me, maybe we don't hundred percent know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of figured as much because it is something we're learning more and more about every day. But when we talk about a specific pattern to injuries, it kind of leads us into a more recent topic, which is the entire topic of sticky stuff, basically. So we talked about it before this interview on the podcast that what is happening, but basically everything has been outlawed. It was already written in the rules. Now it's being enforced to the letter of the law. And a very prominent pitcher, Tyler Glass now, came out and stated that he got injured. He's unfortunately on the 60-day IL now because he has a partial UCL tear and a flexor strain. So he hypothesized that he was worried about getting caught with the least of the sticky stuff substances, which is a mixture of sweat, sunscreen, and rosin, all which are, can be found on the baseball field, basically. That's one that a lot of players are okay with. But because they came out so strongly, he tried to learn throwing without it, and he said that it was completely different. He had to change the way he threw, and he is basically guaranteed that that was the reason he got hurt. So when you hear that initially, what is your opinion on that stance? So here's where I go back to how I initially um, explained the, the anatomy, that there's both ligament and tendon involved. So there are muscular structures that go across that area and provide that uh, stability to the inside of the elbow. When, so what the sticky stuff is doing when they are, are throwing is it's basically taking, it's making it easier for them to get certain forces on the ball, whether it's through specific fingers, um, so they can you know, throw better breaking balls or, or tail the fastball a little bit better different ways or just have a better grip across the, the seams in general uh, just to be able to control it. That takes a little bit of force off of those forearm muscles. Um, when you start taking away those things that help the forearm muscles, uh, make it easier for them to throw, then they're going to be going through more work and they're going to fatigue faster. And if you have those five muscles on the flexor side of your arm, so it's, it's you know, bending your fingers down, allowing you to grip the ball. If you don't have that extra help, you have to grip the ball that much harder. It's going to fatigue those muscles faster. And you've worn down half of that support structure of the inside of your elbow, which, yeah, presumably could lead to this type of injury because you're going to fatigue faster than what you know. If we, we've already said there are studies that show above a certain amount of innings the injury rate increases and that's due to fatigue completely. Well, if you're fatiguing those muscles at a faster rate, you're increasing your injury risk significantly. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of makes more sense where again, something taught throughout the rising of pitching is 
especially for fastballs or higher velocity pitches, you want to have a lesser grip on the ball and kind of let it flow off the fingers. And mm -hmm. some of the more notable names, I talked about Tyler Glass now, he has, he's on the 60 day IL. He had no spin rate change. And that's because he pretty much openly came out and I don't think anyone's disputing it that he used the legal illegal substances as we can call it. But it's some of the more foreign substances like a spider tech or a some of the concoctions they come up with, pine tar, Coca-Cola, the weird stuff that they do to get an increase in RPM, rotation per minute. And so, I mean, some of the examples, and we can't really say anything for certain because nobody knows who's using what or who is on what, but John Means and Tyler, or Matthew Boyd, excuse me, were the two names that came up that were recently injured and saw an uptick in their spin rates. They were about 100 to 150 RPMs on all their um, pitches and Boyd, especially his curveball and slider actually saw a 200 RPM uptick. So players like that, unfortunately get hurt is how much would that be? Because obviously one is much stickier than the other. These that have changed their spin rate on the ball. It, is that any different at all that you would realize? Or is it just, if you get more tackiness on it, it's just going to make it easier on your forearm? Or is there a difference as to what ligaments are using what if it's basically your skin's coming off with the ball? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I thought about that. I actually tried to try to look for, for research on that. And it, that's too new of a topic that they're not. And obviously you'd have exactly. to get people to admit, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I use this, this substance. Let's mm -hmm. take the spin rate on it. Um, so, you know, in, in, in medicine, you can't uh, quote something you can't study or at least uh, have good anecdotal proof for, right? Um, so I, I think it's, that's a question we, we'd have to say right now, we, we just don't know. Um, besides going with just the, the very generic statement of they use those to make it easier on themselves and to give themselves more control. And without that, you know, their, their muscles are working at a, at a higher rate than they otherwise would be. I'd be interested to see if, if they actually did have different pitchers use or the same pitcher use different substance on different days and see what that would come out to, um, what that would come out to being. That'd be really interesting to know. Mm -hmm. It would, I mean, it, it's all something we don't know, even though it's just kind of accepted that such a high population of the pitcher in the league right now do use these substances. And the best example, I think kind of going a ways back is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer was a firm stance back in, I want to say 2018 area was the last time that he saw his spin rate at a certain level before he basically came out and said, I'm using illegal substances because there was no policing of it at the time. And he was pretty open because he loves social media, vlogging, stuff like that. In his process of finding what gave him the best, what substance was the best. And I just can't wait for the day where that comes out where you could know what he was using, what wound up being the best because now he doesn't say anything or else that's a fine and a suspension, obviously. So, right. Like you said, it's tough to, it's tough to get a read on it because there is no openness to it. And it's certainly something I'd be willing to see. I would pay to see, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that this was a great little informative chat. Sean, I want to really thank you for joining me today and shedding some light on not only the issue at hand, but just the 
overall topic of these arm injuries that we've seen such a high rate of. Happy to join you. Thanks, Tyler. All right. And once again, that was Sean Palmer, the host and founder of Doc Doc Goose podcast. Go give it a listen after you listen to this one. We'll be right back after this next break. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to Across the Pond MLB podcast. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes. So I just want to thank Sean again. He is great as always. He's done a ton of stuff for us at ATP and we are always appreciative of him coming on and dumbing down some pretty complex stuff. We got a really smart fandom out there. That's why you're listening to us. But that being said, I know the host of this podcast at least could use a little bit of a fifth grade explanation. And he does a good job of having us picture such a complex issue and such a pressing issue in the sport. Not only just the huge volume of players that get hurt in this fashion but now it may become a completely different aspect as he was talking about the forearm strain that comes with gripping the ball at a higher force so we will see another little disclaimer because that's the craziest thing about all this is we know practically nothing nobody has come out and straight up said that they have taken it there's a lot of suspicions obviously and a lot of factors that go into who are using what substances who is a clean pitcher and what numbers we can use to see it but at the end of the day it either comes to yes or no whether it's going to be players admitting it players being found guilty of it who knows what's going to happen it is going to be haywire coming up soon but just to say that Matthew Boyd and John Means for example some of the names I listed in there those were just those were no accusations whatsoever alongside Tyler Glass now. I mean, I kind of accused him of being clean, so it could be the opposite factor if we know nothing. That being said, those are just some of the most recent examples that we've seen of notable pitchers that were injured shortly thereafter with having arm injuries. Boyd and Means, actually, I meant to mention it. They were shoulder-based injuries. However, you never know what compensating for a specific injury could prohibit you from doing or better yet lead you to do so it's an interesting concept i think it's going to be one of the many side effects that come from the mlb basically changing a rule mid-season obviously it is the same rule that is written in place because it was already agreed upon and they wouldn't be able just to write a new rule because it would obviously have to go through the mlb pa which is a whole nother complex issue which if you were a baseball fan throughout the coronavirus pandemic, you heard plenty about what was going on there. However, that being said, it's just just where do you draw the line? Obviously, the line's already been there, but it was not being respected because it wasn't forced by the umpires. Sometimes you would see umpires kind of stepping in line, but... The way that it was kind of agreed upon in between baseball circles of the 30 teams is it's kind of an honor-based thing. It's every pitcher is doing it. Every pitcher is using a substance, whether it's the mixture of rosin, sweat, and um, sunscreen, excuse me, or if it is something else in a very illegal substance as compared to something that is natural, you're going to put suntan lotion on, there's a rosin bag behind the mound, and most athletes sweat throughout their game. However, that being said, 
if you were going to point out one, it was just going to come back to the other, and then we have a battle of the bullpens in the first inning. Nobody was enforcing it manager to manager, player to player. The umpires weren't enforcing it because it really wasn't their job to step in. It's the last thing they need to do is have another earful for a call that didn't have to be made technically. So it was the only way to kind of instill it, but the fact that they took such a cold turkey stance, they can't reword the system because it was already put in place years back when they didn't realize it would happen. And the only reason we've chose to pay attention to it now is because of how much of a disadvantage the batters really are at with this 100 to 300 RPM boost that you get. It's not just the sticky substance. It's about the training that goes along with it. It goes with the hyperactive cameras that they have in bullpen sessions where you can basically learn a new pitch or add velocity or change all these tweaks, not throughout starts now, not throughout getting a feel on the mound and getting roughed up in the process. You can do it bullpen to bullpen, day to day. And it is just some of the pitching we've seen. I mean, it's a brilliant thing. The things that are happening on a major league mound now are literal forms of artwork. However, when it becomes such a disadvantage one side or the other and the batters really have little to no advantage at all, even coming into it, I mean, hitting is a failure's game. Three out of ten gets you in the Hall of Fame. It's just, it's a, it's a sticky situation, just to say the least, for one last pun before I wrap this thing up. So, this was great. I was happy to do this for the first time. It's going to be more uniform next time, obviously. This was just kind of getting... Like I said earlier, the training wheels on, it'll be a lot less information just being thrown at you. It'll be a lot less information of me just throwing together, try and fit it in. And we will hope to have more than just me on just to go through the show just so we can get some of those debates and actually discuss things as opposed to me just lecture feels like. But hopefully we'll have more great guests as great as Sean was. We want to thank him again. We want to thank everyone at Across the Pond for giving me this opportunity. Hopefully I won't make you regret it. And I want to thank the fans for listening today. So thank you for reaching this far and that'll do it. So if you have any things that you would like to hear next time, if you have anything that you want from me, I'm happy to oblige to anything and everything that you guys would want. So reach out to our social media pages or reach out to mine personally, Twitter at TylerSmall9 or Instagram at tsmall 10 And I would love to hear from you. So thank you again. And we'll talk to you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.